welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. Every week on our show, we turn to Netflix, the wonderful thing that it is. And we watch a romantic comedy starting from the earliest, and now we're headed straight into the 50s. So we started all the way back in 1918, mm-hmm. and now, today, what are we going to watch? We are kicking into the 50s with 1951's People Will Talk. People Talk. That's what they inherently... Yeah. Do. Right? Damn people. People. And they're talking. So it's an hour and 50 minutes. This is a long one. Yeah. This is our first two hour yeah. one. We'll hang in there because it's got your favorite Cary Grant in it. Yes. Um, I'm so excited. I know. It's about a quirky college professor, Dr. Pretorius, falls in love with an unattached pregnant woman, spiraling him into uncharted territory. Dun dun dun! Dun dun dun! It's got Cary Grant, Jeanne Crane, Finley Curry, and it's directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz. <laughs> it's very highly rated on Netflix at four and a half stars. Nice! Yep. That's pretty nice. That's high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking at it. It was, like, pretty much almost a five-star. Yeah. For for the um, the ones that we've watched so far, is this our highly our highest rated? Maybe. It could be. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. We should find out. Falls in love with an unattached pregnant woman. I feel like we've seen this in modern day. Oh, yeah, for sure. Lot. Like, uh, Knocked Up. Mm-hmm. Even though they're the ones who made the baby. There's another one where, like, the parents die. She's not pregnant, but it's it's kind of a similar, like, train of line where the parents die and they leave the kid to her. And then the dude comes and, like, helps her raise this baby. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I feel like you see this even on, like, TV shows where, oh, like, yeah. he meets the girl and then, like, whoa, she's got a pregnant belly. But then, like, he ends up getting interested, involved, taking to Lamaze class and stuff. It's lots of breathing. Right for comedy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, what isn't funny about pregnancy? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Babies. I'm, uh, I'm super excited to watch this. I've been looking forward to this one. Oh, no, this one sounds great. I love the the uh, poster we got going on here. Mm-hmm. It's a very pensive Cary Grant next to a very happy, smiley couple. Mm-hmm. I can't tell what the other thing is. But anyway, yes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. So we just finished finished watching uh, People Will Talk. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah. It was long. It was very long. It needs an edit. Yeah, just like a little bit, like in the middle and some, take some exposition away, get to the train scene faster. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean... Editing-wise, is much better than what we've been watching lately with, like, vignettes and stuff. It actually had scenes, you know? Yeah, it actually, like, had uh, had pacing. Mm-hmm. It's a little slow. Yeah. I felt like that whole, we could have started in a different spot. Instead of starting with the Wicked Witch and um, the evil professor dude. Yeah, I feel like the romance to this movie was tacked on to being, like, a political movie. Yeah, it's, like, I was reading, it's, the, the stories are supposed to be 
like, running parallel to one another as, like, a controversy mm-hmm. to show that there's controversy in kind of everything. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there's, like, some political undertones to it, but I don't think it was meant to be, like, a straight-in-your-face political movie from what I've read. Like, it's meant to just explore these controversial taboo issues rather than say what's right or wrong about them, I think. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that more at the end. Yeah. Especially when everything kind of ties itself together. Yeah. Let's just start. It was a. It was our first Fox movie. Very first Fox movie. Very first do like big studio movie. I have to say though, this this version of the film that we watched was excellent quality. Oh, it was beautiful. It was a wonderful conversion, yeah. and the the color. It was like crystal clear. Yeah, you could you could actually see like his hair. Yeah. It didn't look just like a black blob. It, you could actually see follicles. Yeah, it was. No, it was gorgeous. It was. It was really well. Like, props to Fox. <laughs> like, just props to you guys. Now give us back Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it opens up with uh, lots of text. Yeah, I didn't really understand the text. I didn't know if it was like some sort of warning text or like an apology or what. I think after, like, getting a little bit more context with everything and understanding that it was a play, I feel like they were really setting up that this is a story about how things happen, but this isn't about somebody specifically. Okay. Like, I think that's what they were trying to get across. There was just too much mm-hmm. text for to, to convey that, so the kind of the message kind of got muddled, but that's what I think. Yeah, it said something good about doctors and patients. Yeah, it's talking about how doctors can only do so much, and there's, the patient is always, there's always going to be patients, if that's what I took away from it. I don't yeah, know. I didn't understand it really, and I read it out loud. <laughs> Maybe that was a problem. So, yeah, we open with our Wicked Witch. She's back. Yep. Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Hamilton. Margaret Hamilton. Oh my god, why did I say Thatcher? And then it just starts out at a moment that you're like, really not, it jumps into a point. I don't think you're supposed to get it. No, he's like, in the, the professor guy like pulls her into his office and he's like interrogating her mm-hmm. about Dr. Pretorius. Yeah, Professor Elwell was asking uh, Sarah Pickett. Sarah Pickett. About Dr. Pretorius and Shunderson and what she knew about these people from back in Goose Creek. Yeah. And she's very, like, conversational and kind of to the point about Dr. Pretorius. But then when he brings up Shunderson, she gets scared. Yeah. And what we gather from this conversation or what um, Dr. or Professor Elwell gathers is that she sees Dr. Pretorius as a miracle worker. Yeah, like a saint and kind of can bring these healing things, like, craziness about, Yeah, basically. Yeah, so that kind of sets up what he's doing, which is gathering information for a hearing that he wants to have. Yeah. But it's, it's still backstory that we don't quite understand yet at this moment. And it goes on for a very long time. Like, this is one of those parts where I was just like, this could be trimmed down quite a bit. Like, we didn't need all the backstory about her mother. We didn't need all the backstory about who he was asking. It. Like, 
he constantly like is asking the same question just six different ways mm-hmm. yes but then he gets a call that um his class is waiting for him and dr pretorius is waiting in the class for him as well i don't know why he's taking a meeting right now when his class is already started because he's so fixated on catching this this doctor in this lie. I don't know. It's never really explained what he did to wrong Elway in such a fashion that would cause this intense, passionate, like, search for his past or search yeah. to find something wrong. But he's definitely... It's, he's obsessed with the truth-finding. Yeah, but he's he's obsessed with pinning something on. Pertur- I don't know. Maybe Noah. it's because Noah has some methods that you know he doesn't necessarily agree with. He doesn't see them as science, and then just it bothers him and it bothers him, and he's trying to like figure it out. And all of a sudden, he's like, well, "Where does this guy even come from?" And he's heard rumors and stuff about his past. Yeah, I could see that. It just it just it seems like it possibly could have turned into an obsession from that way of just being like, "Oh, this guy's so great. Why?" Yeah. I mean, he definitely does show him up mm-hmm. in the class when he like is talking about the cadaver in a very like progressive way for the time period. Mhm. Yeah, he is in uh Elwell's classroom. They're waiting for him. And the students are like, well, we'd love to hear what you'd have to say, Dr. Yeah. Pretorius. And he's like, this is a cadaver. But something, something. Um, yeah, because there's a body on a table. Yeah, it's a cadaver, but it's not a human being anymore. Right. You won't dissect the love or the hope. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was a really, like, I wanted to open there. It would have been so, I don't right. know, it would have drawn me in much more. Because at the beginning, I was just like, okay, I get it you want to know about this dude. Like, okay, just Mm -hmm. get there. Like, get to your point. Pretty much the feeling that Dr. Pretorius, that uh, Noah is his first name. Yes. And easier to say. Yes. um, That he puts across a lot of times is that patients are people and people are complex. And, you know, they're not just bits and pieces and parts. Yeah, you can't just treat treat the illness with medication you have to treat everything like all around yeah um so that's him as a character so while he's in the classroom discussing the cadaver uh there's a woman in the classroom who faints yeah and everyone rushes (laughs) to her aid like the entire camera is blocked out by just backs of these randy men trying to get at her Mm mm-hmm and there's a couple women there's a couple women there in the There are class. a couple uh, women in the anatomy class. So, like, he goes up and see, he talks to her, like, why'd you faint? She's like, I don't know. And, like, are you okay? Just here, have a candy and just go take a break and possibly go see a doctor. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, he's not insistent on it. He's very, yeah. very kind and honest with her mm-hmm. at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then, um, she leaves and Elwell returns and, I don't know. He's like, he's, I want to talk to you, and I don't know. You know what's like later. <laughs> yeah, he's like really pissy about something. He's just pissed about everything. He's like, why are you here? Go away. Yeah. That sounded like Jamie from <laughs> Mythbusters. It's <laughs> true. So uh, Noah goes back to his clinic, which he runs. Yeah, it's it kind of reminded me of like Patch Adams, what Patch Adams wanted to be and wanted to do. 
um, where he he saved up all this money. We find out later on that he saved up all this money to open up his own clinic elsewhere in the city mm-hmm. um, to get away from the small town kind of atmosphere where he can actually run his own practice and, and right. do things under the guise of his The his way own he th- wants to do them. Yeah. The, his, you know, methodology. Because he's, he's telling his uh, nurse staff, like, don't just bathe them all at the same time and don't feed them all you know when they're not hungry yeah he says patients are sick people not inmates yeah because they're trying to the cook was saying that they don't have enough staff at this particular time to feed everyone at once and he was like okay well then hire more people um, taking a very different approach to things than how mm-hmm. <laughs> people do today but Instead of trying to force a certain, like, method onto, or force a certain schedule onto the patients, he's wanting them to actually feel comfortable. He's wanting them to actually get better. Because you do get better when you're more comfortable, when you're at peace. Very un-American. Yeah. It is very un-American. It's very un-American to want to to help people in that way mm-hmm. where everybody just wants a quick fix mm-hmm. whereas he was like no take the time like sit down talk to them don't just like automatically assume that the crying is the only reaction to this like have her calm down and like actually have a conversation with her and see if you you have a more receptive answer yeah in this film, Cary Grant had a really, like, subdued performance. Yeah, he was, like, chill and very Dumbledore-esque. Yes. Very Dumbledore, I like that. He was. He was very, like, methodical mm-hmm. in the way that he kind of went about his business. Like, he wasn't... He was, like, the all-knowing Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah. like, dead Dumbledore at King's Cross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dead Dumbledore. <laughs> He's very serious, much different than um, His Girl Friday. Yes, very different. It, it, it was really nice to see, like, the how much control he had over the pacing. Mm-hmm. Like, in His Girl Friday, it was... Those are snaps. Those are snaps. Those are horrible snaps. Um, it was very, like, on the button. Like, mm-hmm. constantly going back and forth with him and Hildy. And with this, it was very... It's very slow, like, calm and smooth, kind of, mm-hmm. like, his delivery was very calm and caring and, and kind of what you would want from, like, a doctor figure. Mm. And, you, you know, you want somebody who is going to be very honest with you. Mm-hmm. And you want somebody who is going to be there for your needs and not just treat you like... Piece of meat. Yeah, like the next, the next big thing, or the next case, or the next, just like a number. Yeah. You're just the next one in line waiting to, to be served. Mm-hmm. So, um, at this point, Noah, he actually talks to a patient about dying. She wants to die. Yeah, and he's like, there's really nothing wrong, like, wrong with that, which is kind of like a, a big, it's it's something that we're still dealing with today, like, what what is death? to mm-hmm. us and what what why do we fear it so much like why do we have this this constant need to to prevent death when it's you know one of the natural things that comes with life and why does it have to be scary like he's like why does dying have to be 
this big grand like exit like it's just it's just something that happens Mm -hmm. do you think that conversation was necessary to the plot no but i think it it showed his his difference Mm -hmm. to like the the way that it was like you kind of got the sense that elway when you just the the one basic like iteration that you had with him talking about um a melanoma he said melanoma in a very like sterile kind of uncaring unforgiving kind of way like like it's just something that just happens it's just a a bunch of cells that that have this power to be so destructive but in a way that gives them more power Mm -hmm. than what i think noah sees it as like noah just sees it as you know this is just one step in in the line it's something that you have to deal with and and that's okay like it's not it's not the end of the world it's not gonna it's gonna do what it's gonna do and what happens in the end is kind of like your decision are you gonna let it be this big scary thing or are you going to kind of face it for what it is face it for what it is and just kind of be honest with it kind of thing i i think he's just he's i think it just shows his compassion more Mm -hmm. than what they're they're trying to show like one side of scientific doctor where you're very sterile and very like detached from what it is you're actually studying Mm -hmm. and then he he is taking it from like the point of view of compassion and and treating them as if they are people even if they are dying or they're going through these horrible things okay so um then he works his way back into his office and the nurse comes in and says you've got one last patient of the day mrs higgins yeah mrs higgins the nurse hands the chart, and Miss Higgins comes in, and she's and he's like, "Oh, good news! You're completely fine and normal. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong with you. Have a good day." Yeah, and she. This is kind of where I like kind of saw like the comedy was trying to come in, but mm-hmm. it just because we weren't in on the joke. Yeah, it wasn't like hitting the mark. But but I well I think no one would say it in this way in reality. No, no one would say you're totally cool, like, everything's fine, kind of thing. I mean, there are some doctors who take pregnancy to, like, the extreme, like, happy yeah. thing, where is most of the time parents are neurotic and kind of freaked out if it's their very first one, I would assume. I don't know. I've never been a pregnant person, like, in this capacity before. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um, but we have on the show talked previously about your experience around pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is, I don't even know how it happens. She's like leaving towards the door and he's just like, okay, make a next appointment with your obstetrician and you know. Yeah. Just, just, and she's just like, why? You're like, cause you're pregnant. Of course. <laughs> like no one, <laughs> that would not happen. Well, I think he, cause you go to the doctor to find out if you actually are pregnant. They tell you. Yes, you are 100% you are pregnant. Well, I don't know how it was, how, I don't know how it, like, went, ab- they went about that in the 50s. I still think, like, you go and you take a pregnancy, they're, they're running her blood, or whatever pregnancy test there was, and it would show up on her chart, positive for pregnancy. I think the doctor would be like, hey, you're pregnant. <laughs> you know this, right? <laughs> yeah, I just think he, he's trying to do it without, like, being so sterile about it yeah it was the only odd point for me where i'm like nobody would talk like that. yeah nobody would nobody would be like 
yeah you're totally you're totally good you're totally fine go make an appointment go yeah yeah i definitely see your your point i don't know i still like him (laughs) i don't think i'll ever get over that (laughs) right no 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 no. i like him it's just that was just the weird weirdest pregnancy delivery yeah it was very like you're pregnant yay and then she was like all of a sudden just devastated yeah she starts crying or something and he's like so there's no husband uh miss higgins yeah yeah yeah. he figures it out and i guess we should establish she is having this child out of wedlock she was also the woman who fainted in the classroom yes yes and she fainted because her hormones are going crazy ah my hormones (laughs) yeah my hormones that's what happens that's, like, the female response right there. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm good at that. <laughs> she begrudgingly tells the story of how she got pregnant to him in between fits of tears. Yeah. That she met this guy who's in the reserve. Medical corps and... It was a war baby. Yeah. After the war. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it's, I don't know. Maybe she was, doing... like, hysterical. Like, she was just, like, all over the office and doing the whole, like, fainting woman thing and then, like, the the crying against the wall and, and all that. I was like, okay, this is a little much. Right. And he's like, well, are you upset because you're pregnant? Are you upset because of the baby? Are you upset the father's not going to be there? But it turns out she's can't have the baby because of her father. That's what she says. She's afraid that it'll it's going to kill him. Yeah. Or she's under the impression that it will kill him no matter what. Because she's all he has. He, she's yeah. his entire world. And if she had to dedicate her life to something else, like, he, would, he wouldn't live. He would, yeah, he would die. Which is very strange. Yes and no. I mean, she's taking it to a very dramatic point. But I think she's not wanting to admit to herself that she is afraid mm-hmm. of the baby. Like, she doesn't want to say that she's afraid of the baby. And this is a very taboo thing. Like, the way that he handles it is uncommon. Like, even by sometimes today's standards, there are some doctors who are like, well, child needs a father and a mother and blah, 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 blah. You need to... You- you need to, like, keep all of your options open and, and all that, that kind of stuff. So she ends up leaving, semi-consoled, but still upset. And then in the hallway, she shoots herself. Yeah, this was where I was like, oh my god, this movie. Where did this come from? Like, I, she was being overdramatic in the office, and you can kind of chalk that up to pregnancy hormones because you get really overdramatic when you're pregnant and kind of a little loopy and crazy. Um... It's just what happens. Your brain is, like, totally freaked out because you have a thing, what your body equates to a parasite. Yeah. At times. At least in the beginning, it equates it to a parasite. Foreign cells. Yeah. Um, By the way, her name's Deborah. Oh, yeah, her name's Deborah. She shoots herself, but luckily, she's in a hospital. Yeah, she... she, But she's... What better place to semi-commit suicide yeah, there's so many, like, taboo issues going on in the first ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. You're very, like, confused. You're, you're, like, thrown into this world that you don't expect. If you're coming from, like, the point of view of today's yeah. time period to try and, like, view this in the, in the, the mindset of what 
was going on back then. Like, mm-hmm. it's after the war, we're dealing with trying to get women away from the workplace and, and out and back to their rightful place, mm-hmm. in quotation marks. And you're also dealing with men who are kind of dealing with the effects of war, like, to a certain degree where you have a lot of PTSD that's not really PTSD going on. You have shell shock, and, well, I guess that's PTSD. Um, But you have all of these, like, crazy things all going on in the 1950s, and you're trying to look at it from that mindset, but then you go here, and it's just like, these are issues that kind of are still around today, and it's like, doctor-assisted suicide and Mm -hmm. just suicide in general and well luckily she misses her heart and noah's there and he's able to do surgery on her and patch her up just fine yeah he she shoots herself in the side she acts she misses her heart like she shoots herself under her boob wow good thing she missed the boob well so shunderson is his like is his manservant I don't know if he was, like, a manservant, but, it, like, it, he was his friend who liked to help him. Yeah, it's, like, it was this interesting kind of, like, almost bromantic kind of relationship that they had. Mm-hmm. Like, they live together, and they do everything kind of together, and there's, you, at the beginning, you don't see them apart at yeah. all it's them always together and you don't even know who this guy that, that's uh, i thought it, i thought it was his butler because he's always taking off his coat and giving him yeah, a yeah, yeah. tie and whatnot so shunderson is talking to him and saying how she must be a lonely girl and that she's probably gonna try again yeah he brings him some very valid points that you know her situation hasn't changed at mm-hmm. all since he saved her so why would it not or it would be get reason for her to not try again. Like, he's, she's obviously in that mindset that nothing has changed. Yeah. He's um, very wise for a man who hasn't said, like, A man of little words. words. Yeah, yeah. But very wise. But anyway, Noah's got to direct an orchestra. Yeah, which is, it was a random cut from woman shoots herself to dude conducting orchestra. It's the college orchestra or something that he's the... he Yeah, he's like the, the band director at the, the medical schools. It's like his hobby. It, he just does it because yeah. it's fun. I feel like they all play their instruments. I mean, they're all medical people. Yeah. But they have a, a college club that is a full orchestra. That's totally cool. Full orchestra and choir. Yeah. It's funny. That's where we meet um Mr. Barker, the, the bass violinist. Yeah. That's a little funny scene. Oh, no, that's really cute. And um, he was, like, he was a German scientist who studied atoms. Yeah. He's he was a physicist? Yeah, he was, like, a play on all the German scientists who came over after the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's very involved in cells and how atoms uh, combust and destroy one another. That was a joke that uh, Noah and him had, like, the back and forth of he's more concerned about atoms destroying one another so he must make everything uh around him Mm -hmm. uh smash to bits something like that physics jokes yeah so the cute scene was that noah doesn't pay attention to him when he's leading the orchestra he's like you don't stay on the beat yeah barker doesn't pay attention to yeah and uh so they 
have this thing where he's like, okay, play this section, mm-hmm. and I will conduct you on your own. And he's like, well, the bass violin isn't even a... A solo instrument. A solo instrument. And, he, and they have this back and forth about this vi- uh, the bass violinist, which is a cello, yeah. essentially. A famous cellist who does perform solo concerts, and he's like, blah, whatever. Yeah, but then he starts off, and then uh, Barker just looks at his um, sheet music. Sheet music, and Noah is just swaying side to side on different tempos, and he turns around and faces the other way, and then on, then he just stops and just walks right up behind him and just stares at him until he finishes. Yeah, and scares the crap out of him and makes him laugh. Yeah. Then you realize these two are friends. Like you, you don't get that impression at first. Like you just think that they're like having a little bit of a row, mm-hmm. but. No, they actually are just having, like, a, a little mm-hmm. combative, romantic relationship. Yeah. At this time, also, Elwell is um, trying to dig up more information to discredit. Oh, yeah, he's in the office, and, like, he's opening and closing. He, he has the window open, but the orchestra is too loud, so he slams it shut, and then tries to open it again, and then their laughter is too loud, and so he slams it again. Big social pariah. Yeah. He, he really segregates himself. Just an angry man. Yep. Um, so the dudes hang out, Barker and, uh... Yeah, they talk for a little bit, and then... He's got, he's a, give me a ride, I want to go to the clinic. Yeah, so they drive all the way to the clinic. He checks up on Deborah, and he sees that she's still upset again, and, you know, he's still worried about that she's gonna try and commit suicide. So he lies and tells her that the results were mixed up and that she's not really pregnant. She just got somebody else's results. On accident. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's doing this to, he really wants to make sure that she's not going to kill herself again. He's trying everything in his power to make sure that that doesn't happen. And he lies to her, which isn't necessarily the greatest thing to do to a suicidal person. Yeah, she has this random comments about, are all your patients women? And he's like, most of them. He's like, all your patients must fall in love with you. He's like, no, no, not not really. really. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't like he was uh, conceited? Yeah, he wasn't egotistical or um, pompous. Like you think a typical, a typical like handsome doctor, yeah, would be like in his position. He was just like, I don't really know if they fall in love with me, but he's just there to treat the people. Yeah, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So then he goes with Barkus, and they go eat German food together. They're so bros. Yeah, they have some German beer. And sausage. And sauerkraut. Yes. He loves the sauerkraut. <laughs> There's a weird tangent about how the sauerkraut tastes good because it's in a barrel. And butter tastes funny because it's not served in... Yeah, I think it was just trying to, like, link him back to his small town kind of roots. Yeah. Where, like, things are not... You don't have the supermarkets. You don't have, like, all these the city-living things. This is weird. Too long. Yeah, it was It was definitely too long. It wasn't... I don't think it was necessary. Right. So uh, Noah tells Barkus that he lied to Deborah, and that he plans on going to go talk to her father. Yeah. Which is the real route to her uh, sad problem. Um, but then he gets a call from the clinic that Deborah has gone missing. Dun, dun, dun! Oh. 
So then a week later, Noah travels to the farmland. Yeah. Which looked like, like, southern or northern California. It was nice. It was lots of horses. And cows. Yeah. There were cows. Very nice. Where they meet, Belzebub, the dog. Dog, yeah. <laughs> this dog, we, we could go on and on and on about this dog. Like, he comes in 45 minutes into the movie, and it could have been two more hours long uh, with just this dog. And Shunderson. And Shunderson. They just, just forget the, forget <laughs> Cary Grant and them. We just want the Shunderson and the and Belzebub movie. Yes. <laughs> Who, the dog is supposedly evil. Mm-hmm. And instantly, like, runs up and tries to attack Noah. Uh, Noah as he tries to enter the gate. But Shunderson just, like, walks up and stares at this dog. And they have, like, this mutual understanding with one another. Well, I think also Shunderson was like, I'm the alpha. Yeah. I'm the alpha. And then, you know, the dog is like, okay, you win. <laughs> Let's be friends. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really cute. It was, like, the best part of the movie. Yeah. Um, so then um, Arthur Higgins comes out, which is uh, Deborah's father. And he takes him around, takes him to the porch. He's like, oh, you're the doctor who treated her iron her curling curling iron iron wound yeah so she's lied to her dad about that yeah her gunshot wound is actually a curling iron wound apparently yeah this part gets slow again yeah they talk on the porch like he tells noah his life story yeah we learn like freaking arthur's backstory and then he's like stay for sunday dinner and then i love you guys help me escape yeah (laughs) And then we learn all about his brother and his income tax, like, deductions. Oh, my God. <laughs> and how he can, like, deduct all of these different things from his income. And he's asking if he can call uh, Noah and Shunderson, what was like, feed, feed salesman. salesman. Yep. <laughs> so that he can write off the dinner. Yep. That is my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let you talk about it. <laughs> We love you, Drew. <laughs> yes. Arthur does pretty much reiterate what Deborah has said about him and says, Deborah is my heartbeat. Yes, which is precious. Precious and lonely. <laughs> precious and lonely and sad, but also precious. So Arthur suggests that Deborah take uh, Noah on a tour of the farm. Which they do. And Noah gets to interrogate her. Which is fun. Because she's trying to talk about milk, and he's, like, asking her questions. Why did you run away? Look at this milk. This is what we do to take out certain things or test yeah. it. Test it for... Why drink. did you run away? Because I'm in love with you. Yeah, that was that was perfect. That was a lovely impression. Thank you. Thank and you. Oscar goes Thank to. You. <laughs> and she goes, why did you come here? She's leaning up against the wall. This and he's is, like, ah, gah, ah. He was lovely, and she was just a tad overdramatic. Mm-hmm. Like, he, she, he balanced her out really well, but, oh my god, lady, just, like, calm down. Just, like, I know you're pregnant, but calm down. Yeah, she was really overdramatic. All, all, all the scale was always up. Yeah, it was just always there. Um, so yeah, he's like, uh, um, to, uh, 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 you know. This is the moment where he's lost for words, 
And because does he know? Does he realize? Does this forcing things? He did a lot of work to figure out where she was, and he's caring for her. Yeah, I don't think he. I think his explanation later on when he is like explaining why he really did go to the farm that day really was the intention of telling her father the truth. Yeah. And then, like, later on he realized that it wasn't just for the good of that. It was because he actually, like, saw something in her or felt something. about. I didn't really feel, like, that connection. Yeah, it was like, really I wanted too to. fast. They didn't have a lot of, like, cute scenes together, you know? Yeah. Any sort of learning scenes. It was always dramatic scenes. Yeah, and it wasn't, like... Dramatic scenes that would bring these two people together, like, polar opposite kind of mm-hmm. dramatic forces, like, crushing, like, atoms together. Yeah. So, they end up kissing. Yeah. In the milk room. Oh, yeah. This is a nice kiss. Yeah. Well, Cary Grant's nice. He is. And, I mean, this is a considerably older Cary Grant than uh, His Girl Friday, and very calm and collected mm-hmm. and it was nice so cut to them sneaking out oh well yeah you so you think they are they are but uh beelzebub and the the dog and uh shunderson are like just chilling pulling <laughs> cases from the window off of this rope and the dog is, like, totally getting it up. Oh, more with the dog. Yeah, it was, like, really adorable that he was following Shunderson mm-hmm. around. Because at this point, like, they have established that Shunderson has realized this dog was just scared and, like, unhappy. Yeah. And they, like, have a mutual understanding of one another. It's very good bonding with the dog. Yeah, like, I wanted I wanted that moment between Shunderson and, do- and the dog to happen with Noah and Deborah. Yeah, yeah. There's a bigger, eh, definitely more love with the dog and yeah. <laughs> There was lots of That's love there. That's a love story that we liked. Yes. <laughs> All right, so yeah, she's lowering her luggage through the window. Arthur's there, and he's like, good, you're getting out of this. You're going with this man who I really like. They think that pretty much he came there to, to ask ask for her hand in marriage so i guess he kind of just goes for it because he's saying actually he says we're gonna go get married in new york in three days yeah she's engaged yeah i don't know it really happened fast well it was kind of like they kiss and then they cut back to the scene with chunderson and um her dad in the the living room and he's like he came here to ask her to marry him. And Shunderson is like, eh, perhaps. And so that that's kind of where it kind of leaves off, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, now they're engaged. Is it just me, or do you really like it when, um, Cary Grant, like, lies down on a bed to deliver dialogue? Oh my god, he is, like, the most posed person yes. on a bed, but he looks so comfortable! Yes! I'm like, you are totally posed for the camera, but damn, dude. Yeah, like, he'll open his jacket and move so you can see, like, his hip. I don't know, it's just very weird, like, he understands his angles. Yeah! <laughs> Tyra would approve. Yes! It's just very, it's awesome. He, he just, it's not like he lies on his back or whatever, he lies, like, 
I don't know, forward camera, but still, like, angled so you can see him. Yeah, he doesn't make himself short. He makes himself very long. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Very great acting technique of him lying on a bed. I'm sorry. It's tr- it, it happens a couple times in this movie where he delivers dialogue. Yeah. Lying down. And it's, he does it wonderfully. You gotta give props, okay? Sorry. To Cary Grant's family. We really, really loved that. <laughs> so then they go off. Uh, presumably they say they're gonna go to New York and get married. Yes. Then we're back with Elwell, and he's finding history on Chunderson. He gets someone to take a picture of him. He needs someone to take a picture of Elwell. I mean, of Chunderson. Oh, yeah. Because they go to the train store. Yep. And she buys a bunch of trains. Yep. Which becomes, like, the best scene in the entire movie. (laughs) We're almost there. We're not there yet. So close. So, um, they take the photo whenever... And Chunderson's like, ah, but he couldn't do anything about it. So then we go to the home of Noah and Deborah. Yep. Because they're now married. They've been married for like two weeks now. And Bella is there, the housekeeper. Yes. And Belzebub is there. And Chunderson is there, of course. They all live together. Yeah. The dog has now moved in Mm -hmm. and is now Chunderson's lovely companion. Yeah. And her dad lives there as well. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody has left John at the farm. Like he probably wanted. Anyway, Elwell comes to visit Noah to talk. Oh, yeah, there's weird drama with him trying to... He brought, um, charges. Charges against him. Yeah, and tries to, like, manipulate Deborah into thinking that he's this horrible man. Yeah. Well, I don't get was... Noah was there in the house. He was upstairs. Yes. Why didn't they go get him to come down? Because um, he was doing very important business. Right. It was his birthday. It was his birthday, and he was doing very important business. Yes, he was. Which we will explain shortly, I guess. No, we're good. Like, she kicks him out. Yeah, she, like, you, <laughs> you had the best, like, little comment during the movie at this point. Because she, she literally throws him out verbally. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, in a very polite fashion. And then uh, he says, thank you for something. And she says, yes, pop by any time. And you were like, the shade is strong with this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it was, it was so true. Like, she totally emasculated him. Mm-hmm verbally like Mm -hmm. she was so polite about it and she was just like if you have anything to say like bad to say about my husband then you have no right to be in this house blah 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 blah, get the fuck out Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) he like tries to to save face and tries to convince her some more and then she again just snaps back and just pushes kicks him out the door and takes the uh envelope that he has brought the charges Mm -hmm. to take to uh noah she takes to noah upstairs Best scene ever. Best scene ever. The, so, for his birthday, uh, Deborah has bought Noah a giant tra- train set. A um, giant miniature train, three trains. They go into all the rooms he's, and on the landing. Yeah, he's covered the entire landing plus the rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's three different rooms, and he's nice long trains like as soon as she goes upstairs he 
he yells beep Mm -hmm. and then one train goes out and you see it like loop around and stuff and then he goes beep beep Mm -hmm. and then another train comes out of one of the other rooms and like zooms around and then he says beep 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 Mm -hmm. and the third train comes out and like goes around and everything and it's like the cutest thing ever because this is a grown man no the best part the trains crash oh yeah after a little while they're doing good and then they crash and then all then it's um Barker, Noah, and Arthur all come out, and then they start arguing of whose fault it was. Yes. It's like, you were supposed to, uh, he yells at Barker, he says, you were the one who was supposed to start at beep beep, not beep beep beep. Why didn't you listen to your signal? I am the conductor master, and you should have been listening, and this is not my fault. And they, like, go on and on and on, like, in a very proper argument about this, and they are grown men. Yep. Arguing over a train set. Yep. Which I find so appropriate. It's adorable. Like, it's so cute because you you've only seen this like cool kind of suave smooth serious adult person from him and then all of a sudden you see this this really childlike kind of thing and you kind of get this really nice feeling that she was the one who instigated that and that was kind of a really nice moment between yeah them two where you kind of were like oh yeah you you could really like you could fall for this love story yeah in a way like it's just very very loving in that in yeah that after they were married it was very yeah wonderful very together. believable yeah but leading up to it like the 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 the, the meat cute wasn't believable at right all. so she starts crying again and goes and lies down on her bed and he comes in and he's like why are you crying and she's like i didn't realize that i was married to a nine-year-old yeah it was lovely that line delivery was lovely yeah but then he sees that she's got the envelope in her hand. He is like, are you like, upset about this? Are you... Yeah, and he's like, just don't worry about this because you believe me, you know. And she's just like, I'm just crying over everything. Every little thing. I can't help it. And then she's like, well... Lately, have I been crying a lot? <laughs> yeah, she's like, I think I'm pregnant. And he's like, I know you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> This is where, like, the truth comes out. So weird. I'm like, why didn't... Okay. Well, first of all, he says that she's going to give birth in September, not December. And she's like, you're the doctor. Come on. We (laughs) did it two weeks ago in three days. Yeah. (laughs) We should give birth in in, in, uh, December. And he's like, no, 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 no. September. Why didn't he just, like, let it all play out and then be like, well, the baby came early. Because that's a thing that happens. I think he wanted to be honest with her. Okay. I think he wasn't, like, he he, he was a noble person, and I don't think that he... Because the truth is going to come out eventually that she was still pregnant. Yes, but I think he really wanted, he wanted her to know the truth. Like, he mm-hmm. wanted her to know, yes, I love you, yes, you're having another man's baby, but it doesn't matter because it'll still be my baby. I know, this was the sweetest part when he yeah. said that he, he loved the baby. Yeah, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter who's, basically, whose DNA it gave. Like, yeah. It's like, he's dude. Like, yeah, he's like, I'm a father to this baby. Yeah. It like, was beautiful. <laughs> oh. It was beautiful and touching, and you're like, oh, why can't, why can't we have... Like, those standards today, like, why is it such a bad thing You go on Maury and you are not the father. Yeah, like, why is it this thing that has become this reality kind of combatant? He said, she said, this child is, like, a burden, almost. Why, why is it like that? Like, why do we, why do we treat it that way? 
I don't know. I and mean, it's not always like that. You see lots of uh, mixed families together. Of course, but, and, and I'm saying, why don't we, I guess, I, why don't we celebrate that more? Right. Like, why is this such a taboo kind of topic? Well, because it's drama, and everybody loves drama. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, you should, I mean, it's not something that you, like, deserve the courage medal or medal of honor for raising another man's child, but... To come out and say, I'm going to love this baby no matter what, I don't care. This baby is mine. This baby is mine because I love it. Yeah. And that's, that's all that matters. That should be celebrated. Like, yeah, that should be, sure. be talked about a lot more because I think, and what is nice is that it's a man delivering that because you don't see them delivering that, that love kind of thing. It comes back to that whole macho, macho idea. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of touched on it a little bit with Casanova Brown about how it's harder for, it's harder for our society to accept men as the caregiver and get loving of a child. Yeah. Almost. So. Indeed. Full circle. Oh, for sure. It was very cute. Okay. And then they happy birthday. Yeah, that was really cute. And we thought it was the end. <laughs> yeah, it totally was, like, set up to be, it was this really cute kind of tie-up moment, and mm. you kind of had most of everything that you needed resolved, resolved. And, and you were happy. Yeah, you're happy, and everybody's happy, and Cary Grant is singing happy birthday to himself, and it's just kind of adorable, because you've already had this moment where you you see the child, like, innocence in him, and so... A birthday is one of those even more innocent kind of mm-hmm. uh, staples to that. But no, it wasn't. <laughs> we still have to have the hearing. The trial. Yep. Um, so at the same time, there's a concert at the college. The yes. evil Elwell made Had- it so that the concert would be the same time as the hearing. Or yeah. The hearing at the same time as the concert. To try and uh, embarrass uh, uh, Noah. Yeah, being like, this guy, he's doing shady things. Yeah, like, you can't have him as your conductor anymore. He's a bad guy. Please kick him out of the college. But nobody thinks he's a bad guy. No, no. Like, even going into the the meeting, um, Barker is just like, this meeting is stupid. We all know the real truth here. And uh, Mm -hmm. LL is just being LL. Yeah. (laughs) Essentially. We learn about... Noah's backstory. He was a butcher. He was a... He graduated from medical school. He got his medical degree. He went to Goose Creek and set up a butcher shop. Yes. But he wasn't making any profit off of the butcher shop. He just did it for... Because he sold the meat at cost. Yeah, at cost. But uh, he then, on the side, like, did this miracle worker kind of practice but essentially was a medical practice just the people there they trusted him trusted him and saw it as Mm -hmm. medicine man miracle worker kind of stuff even though he was really practicing medicine right he said he made sick people well that was his job yeah which that's that's the simplest definition of a doctor yeah and you're saying he wasn't doing it illegal because he was a trained medical professional he had his license he had everything Mm -hmm. certified i like this um electronic doctor that's what he thinks the future holds electronic doctor which is true yeah like yeah we have electronic doctors now not robotic doctors which is what i think he was more alluding to but definitely was 
But we go online and we check our symptoms. Yeah. Know? Which totally freaks us out. Yes. We all think we're dying. Um, Every time. He healed these people with faith. Yeah. At least to their definition. I think. Their definition. Their of definition it. of it. Like, he was just. Because, yeah, she said in the beginning, yeah, she gave pills, powders, ointments, needles, you know. Anything that a normal doc would do, which kept calling him a doc, not a doctor. Right. Um, which I guess there was a, a distinction in she the She didn't in like the terminology. school doctors. Yeah, she didn't like people who learned everything out of a book, which is fair. It's totally fair because I think it gets touched on a lot in certain medical fields is that certain doctors get very bookish and stuck inside the very, li- like, the, the very literalness of the written word instead of what's actually going on. I think they touch on it, I was, I just finished watching, um, A Young Doctor's Notebook with, uh, Daniel Radcliffe and John Hamm. Oh, I want to watch that. Very gruesome. Oh, really? Yeah, it deals with addiction and, um, morality and the practices of, um, the practicing of being a practice doctor, but also being addicted to a heavily, uh, hallucinogen mm-hmm. substance. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do... At the beginning, Daniel Radcliffe's character, who he plays the younger version of the Doctor, whereas John Hamm plays the older version, and he's going back and reading his notebooks, and then re basically re-experiencing what he wrote down with his younger self, which is it's really well done. It's gruesome. It's terribly gruesome. Like you see a girl get her uh, her leg amputated. Ugh. But it's done in this way where he has to become a doctor for the first time. He's just graduated, and he is so caught up in what the books say how to do certain things that he completely forgets about the human element Mm -hmm. of things and tries to do everything exact and realizes that being in medicine is is a messy business. Like, you can't be literal all the time. Like, there isn't just a clear-cut answer all the time. You have to kind of go off your cuff Mm -hmm. in certain instances and... I think that it's something that, that needs that that is interesting to explore because that is a very natural thing when you, you kind of have these rules set out throughout school that you're you're kind of spoon fed these certain ways that you're supposed to do things and people get caught up in that. People get caught up in doing those those certain that list in a perfect order. Mm-hmm. And they forget about thinking outside of those boxes and so it pigeonholes you yeah and that's that's a problem that I see at least with a lot of people in general not being able to like have those critical thinking skills of being able to to go outside the little box that they've been handed in the creative world too oh yeah whereas like a lot of people just want somebody to push buttons or 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 something like that and that's not that's not gonna be the best that it could be or the most creative because you're not giving people the the room to express what they're good at in mm-hmm. a way like everybody wants things now and in this immediate world that we don't have this time to to create or, or um flesh out what what's already been established cuz i think you can always improve upon something nothing is ever perfect Mm -hmm. and you can always improve or innovate or modify or find a different way around certain things 
or around certain problems. And there needs to be more of that. And I think that's what some part of this movie is trying to, to say is right. that you shouldn't you shouldn't be in just this clear little box. Like, you can't, you shouldn't just be a doctor, or you shouldn't just be a mother, or you shouldn't just be a murderer. Like, there's so many more complexities to um, who people are and what people do. Because mm-hmm. that's just, that's human nature. It's, you are more complex than what the simplest definition of who you are is. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes it just happens. Very <laughs> good. A plus. So pretty much in the small town, he's pretty much, he's busted. He fired his housekeeper, his housekeeper as revenge, who had found his medical license, told everybody that this yes. guy is a medical Who his housekeeper in, was, ended up being um, Sarah Pickett, who was our woman oh. in the very beginning, who was the Wicked Witch. Oh. So she in turn becomes a Wicked character again. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> So, the trial then turns to asking questions about Mr. Shunderson. He's like, I don't want to answer any questions about him. Yeah, because it's not his place, right. he feels. He's like, this is, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with um, the, the college, the my medical practice, mm-hmm. or anything like that. But uh, Shunderson is listening at the door, and he comes in, and he says, I want to tell you my story. Yeah, and sits down, or not really sits down, he stands next to um, Noah and goes on about how he was accused for of murder. Mm-hmm. Um, his He had gone out with his sweetheart at the time in 1917, and um, his friend. friend. And his sweetheart had gone back to the hotel, and him and his friend were talking, and they got into an argument. And his friend hit him over the head with a rock. Mm-hmm. And so then he, in turn, hit his friend over the head with a rock. And it became this bloody... Uh, fist fight. Fist fight. And his friend runs away. And is never really heard from again at that point in time. And his sweetheart accuse him, accuses yeah. him of murder. Shunderson has gone back to the hotel. And she's there in the lobby. And makes a big scene. Because she sees the blood on him sees that his friend's not there and goes murderer murderer and it it comes he comes to find out that his sweetheart was also a sweetheart of his friend right they set it up yeah and so that's how they kind of came to the conclusion that he killed his friend out of or for revenge yeah so he got convicted and spent 15 years in, in prison he was convicted with the death penalty at first but it was commuted because the body was never found. So they then commuted his term to 15 years of hard labor. Yeah, and then when he gets out, he miraculously, serendipitously... Runs into his friend. Runs into his friend. And he says, what have you been doing for the past 15 years? And he doesn't want to admit any wrongdoing or anything, so he beats him up again. But this time he does... He does murder murder him. Murder him. And he says to the cops... I already paid my time for this crime. You, there's no point in arresting me, but they do anyway. Yeah, they do anyway, and he's charged again, even though the prosecutor at the time said that his sentence uh, was a miscarriage of justice, but it doesn't absolve him of uh, making up for it later on. Mm-hmm. So he's um, sentenced to be hanged. Yes. Which he does get hanged. Yeah, he is hanged. 
the floor drops out from under him, and that's the last thing he remembers. Until waking up on the the slab in front of uh, Noah. Noah. It's never really, like, confirmed or brought to anyone's attention as to how he survives the hanging. It seems like um, the hyoid didn't break, his neck didn't break. I guess he just, like, strangled and passed out and then well, they cut him down yeah once you go limp i mean there was that whole chance that it's just strange still... that it didn't snap i guess because maybe because he's a tall guy they yeah. didn't measure it correctly yeah and the weight was off so it just mm-hmm. didn't snap it's possible it's it's it is possible it's totally happened before if i if i have right so that's how he meets um Noah, and they become best friends, because Chunderson pretty much tells him how he got there, and... Noah doesn't turn him in, so they just kind of bond over this, and they... Chunderson's been taking care of him since. Yeah. And then, uh, after that happens, uh, Deborah comes in, she's just like, is this thing over? (laughs) (laughs) We all know he's, like, not guilty of anything. Can we just carry on with the concert people are waiting and then the guy's like okay okay yeah this this is this is over this has gone on long enough and there's no point to this yeah we see what's happening it's this guy's jealous let's all go yeah this is a waste of our time and then uh shanderson delivers the best burn in all of burn history (laughs) yeah (laughs) to elwell elwell calling him a, a little man but not a short man. He's a little man in stature and in... His mind. His mind and his heart. And he could never touch the boots of uh, Noah. Even if he reaches up with his tiptoes. Yeah. He never reach him. Yeah. It was awesome. Oh, it was like, you got burned! Yeah, we like instantly at the same time both snapped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of those moments. We really should like... We should cut it in because... It's, yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Synchronous snapping. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so then Noah's able to go to the concert, and he's leading it, and it's very fun, great, and he's doing a wonderful job, and then we see, um, Deborah in the front audience, and she's startled. Yeah, she's experiencing- By the demon growing in her stomach. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's experiencing pregnancy. <laughs> very early. <laughs> yeah! It's like a month. A month and a half? Who knows? Well, if she was, if he was saying December, or she was saying December, but he was saying September instead, then it would have been about a month and a half. Yeah, I don't know. The stirrings of baby was happening in her at that yes, time. Yes, it was sudden. Yeah. She wasn't showing. No, not at all. But so, yeah. And then, then we just continue on in the concert, and that's how it ends. It's a very cute way to, like... Mm-hmm. Tie it all together and celebrate. Yeah, it's a bit long at points, but a good story. Oh, it was very good, and I think the dialogue was really well written. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. It it flowed really nice, and I did like the parallel of the the the, the taboo subjects because I think people sometimes can equate murder and babies now out of wedlock as. The, re- the director wrote this in response to his own trial witch hunt that happened. Oh, really? I didn't see that part of it. Of the communists. Um, oh. He was, yeah, he was called out by Cecil B. DeMille. Oh, I can definitely see that. Yes. Um, so it has to do with um, communist witch, yeah. 
he was openly attacked and reheat the director of this. He refused to denounce others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was probably one of the ones who ended up in exile, like... Blacklisted? Yeah, blacklisted and had to um, go by a different name. Yeah, so th- it, that's what I'm saying. It's political because it's it's his take yes. on what he went through with being called a okay. communist sympathizer. I can definitely see that now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and it was very well received. Mm-hmm. Like, for the, for the time period and everything, I thought it was just going to be panned. But it was... Right, it, yeah, the, it just definitely... Well, Hollywood... There are definitely sects of Hollywood that were liberal and were like, yeah, stupid McCarthy and your McCarthyism taking us down because we're liberal, you know. Yeah, but I mean, like, as, even, like, outside of the, the Hollywood, like, mm-hmm. click of it, it was well-received by audiences. Mm. So, like, that, that to me was just like, okay, so it may be because it dealt with themes that were true to that time, like, I'm... I'm sure the controversy of of children being born out of wedlock was a big thing then because you had war babies. Mm-hmm. And you probably had men and women who were experiencing these these traumatic experiences and trying to find an escape from it. So mm-hmm. babies were created. I think there's a big theme of loyalty and doing the right thing because not only was he loyal shunderson he was loyal to um deborah he was loyal to the baby mm-hmm. without even meeting it yeah do you think he was like too much he's was he too perfect i definitely think he was a fantasy mm-hmm. of what like a perfect storm would be like it's definitely not something that i he's not a character that i think would completely exist in real life yeah like he didn't i, I he you didn't see any of his faults and for me, a good character has to have faults mm-hmm. as well as positive attributes. Right. So, I mean, he could have been maybe being loyal to a fault, but I don't think that you saw that. Like, there wasn't that that there because he never really, he never did anything that would have, I don't know. He, he yeah, he might have been. He was definitely like a fantasy mm-hmm. character. But I don't know, I don't know what to classify him as because it's not it's not a standard he's not a standard stock character right he seemed kind of like captain america yes but see captain like to me captain america is this like freedom justice fighter to to a fault like Mm -hmm. that's all he is he is a war icon and that's where i think i hope marvel starts exploring that part of like the comics where that's all he is like he that's all his life has ever been about. Like, how does he cope with downtime? He doesn't. He just goes on to the next battle mm-hmm. that he has to fight. So I think that is one of Captain America's kind of faults. Although we have this, like, good old farm boy image for Captain America. I don't... I, don't, I wouldn't give him that label mm-hmm. for this. I don't know. But Noah, he's... He's a perfect human. <laughs> he is a perfect human, and he's, like, something that... He's a characterization that I would want to see more of from, like, a male character mm-hmm. perspective. I would want to see somebody who is more... Uh, like, a, a male figure who is more compassionate. Because I think... I think that's very important for at least young boys to see that 
compassion is a very important emotion in society, that it is not something that is strictly feminine or is strictly masculine. It is something that we experience as humans that kind of bonds us together. It's, it's that drive. Compassion is what pushes us forward, whereas hatred and bigotry is what pulls us back. Mm -hmm. And I think if we had more compassion and more, like, positive views of compassion, whereas compassion is sometimes viewed as weakness or as a, as like a flaw, almost. Do you think Noah was dying? Do you ever see him smoke? No, he never did. He had the cigarettes. But he never smoked. He didn't have... Instead, he ate the candy. Yeah. It's What's possible. What's the deal with that? <laughs> Lung cancer? Lung cancer does have a, mm-hmm. a smell to your breath. So... In, um... In Donnie Darko, actually, Noah Wiley, who plays a teacher, invented mm-hmm. that his character had diabetes and would eat candy. Just oh, like his yeah. own, like, invention yeah. of the character. So that made me, like... What's the deal with the candy? <laughs> yeah, no, there was definitely some very, like, interesting things that I would want to know. Were they placed there by the director or were they brought in by, like, Cary Grant? Like, mm-hmm. his certain mannerisms and his kind of, like, smooth way of talking. And maybe maybe he was because of his, his conversation about death. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is his, like his need to to have like i guess a lasting legacy or to 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 do to something back. good yeah i don't know i i think that would be something that if we could i would like to to ask Carrie Grant. Grant knows <laughs> he knows let's get out the ouija board yes <laughs> i don't know i was thinking about that now cuz he's got the cigarettes but he never has matches people like smoke around him yeah barkley like put a cigarette in his mouth and took it back and like lit up you know yeah no he's never smoking right which is odd for the 50s oh yeah right well especially for Cary grant because if you remember his girl friday he was always always smoking did he die of lung cancer you think this is dealing with irl stuff yeah because they use real did they use real cigarettes or are they herbal or what they would have been real back then Mm. Mm-hmm. So, it says, In the early 50s, Carrie stopped smoking with the help of a hypnotist. He gave up drinking and credited Betsy, his, um, his young wife, with influencing his new lifestyle. I believe 60 is the prime of life. It will be for me. I'm learning to relax. So, yeah, 1951 was this movie, so he, like, just quit smoking. No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah! <laughs> Go you. One for you. Yay! Plus one. <laughs> Alright, you ready to do ratings? Let's rate this movie. I'm gonna give it, uh, three toy trains. Oh, that's so cute. I'm giving it three and a half pregnancy test frogs. Oh! Because <laughs> apparently that's what they used to do. Get that. There are just some things that we hear in the movies that are like so of the time. Yeah. I'm like, I don't understand your cultural references. Sorry. So we're just going to bypass them completely. Yeah. Nice. All right. So next week, we're going to be watching 1952's Monkey Business <gasps> with Cary Grant. With Cary Grant. 
I'm really excited to see what his performance will be like in the next week's Yeah, because it's been very different. Mm-hmm. And um, this sounds like it's going to be like a screwball comedy. It is. Him and Ginger Rogers, I believe. Ooh, first one with Ginger? Yes. Ooh. See, you, you already want to watch it. Slumber Party. Boom! All right, guys, you can listen to us and download our episodes at thecutaways.com. Um, please leave us comments, rate us, and all that fun stuff. And please, please, please subscribe to us on iTunes. We're still trying to figure out how many subscribers we have. So it would really help if you, like, told us. Just say hi. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Be like, yeah, your episode was cool. We really like Carrie, or I really like Carrie Grant, too. Like, he's a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also on Facebook and Twitter where... Sometimes we post things, and sometimes I go on hiatus for a month and don't. So, yes, follow us there and remind us that we, like, have a following because we like that. And we love you. And we love you. Hand hearts. (laughs) All right, guys. Peace out.